Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred. Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. Speeding into your bedroom, your bathroom, your kitchen, your car, wherever you may be, it's the Middle Seats Podcast presented by Olive Garden. I'm your race leader, Andrew <laughs> Jay. Let's meet the other contestants in this movie marathon. That'll make more sense later. He'll always be first place, and he leaves a blue streak across my heart, Mr. Nate Longarini. Like black and blue streak? <laughs> I don't think blue is necessarily <laughs> a good thing to leave on your heart there, Drew. <laughs> well, like, you know, like blood before it becomes oxygenized is blue. So it means my heart's Whoa, working that, well, I guess. No, blood is always red, man. That's a that's an urban legend. Is it really? It's never blue. Yeah. Huh. Science facts you learn on the Middle Seats podcast as well. Yeah, I, I, we're we're thirty seconds in, and I'm wondering where Andrew's going with all this. Speaking of speed puns, you can skip through the parts where he talks. It'll make your experience even quicker with us, there Mr. Jay Kensler. <laughs> you know what? I thought it was pretty bold of you to say the race leader with two uh, two Maris track and field guys. That was a little bold of you, but. Whatever. I even went for a run today. I looked outside. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty close, right? Uh, the Middle Seats Podcast is the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. If you're joining us for the first time, our show is typically divided into three segments. We usually talk about a random topic that one of the crew pitches. It's called lobby talk, like you would talk about in the lobby of a movie theater. Then we'll usually do news, and then we'll get into our feature review. No news today, because our lobby talk is going to be a little longer than usual. We're going to go, and you'll see why in a second. So we'll do lobby talk, and then we'll get into our feature review, which is of Sega, I don't want to get sued, Sega and Paramount Pictures, Sonic the Hedgehog. I feel like I need to get the Sega in front of it. <laughs> if you got sued by Sonic the Hedgehog, I would not have sympathy, I would just laugh. They're not going to get a whole lot of assets out of us, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sonic, and you've been served. Yeah, <laughs> it'll get the Olive Garden sponsorship. Again, we'll get into that in a little bit. If you would like to skip around, there's not going to be a lot to skip around to in this pod, but there are going to be a couple of important moments where you might have to. And again, you'll see why in a moment. Uh, there are time codes in the description below. Now, without further ado, it's Nate's turn for Lobby Talk. Let's all go to the lobby. You're in the lobby? What do you look like? I will blow up the block before you can make the lobby. Alrighty, so we've been talking here in the middle seats off camera about how the movie selection has not been that great this year so far. Understatement of the century. <laughs> but we're going to take advantage of the fact of the theater lull by catching up on some of our shows. So there's been a lot of stuff to catch up on, and one of those has been BoJack Horseman. Yes. Which is one of our collective group favorite shows i'd go much to say and it just wrapped up the second half of its final and sixth season we wanted to talk a little bit about that and we're going to break this up kind of like we would a review where we're going to just go over our general thoughts of the show first uh non-spoilers and then we're going to get into a longer discussion about the final season and what we thought of it uh so feel free to skip around in the time codes if you're interested in the show uh, but you don't want to be spoiled on the final season in case you still got to catch up on Netflix. 
All right, so uh, just quick summary of the show. It stars a horse named Bojack Horseman, who's a washed-up uh, 90s sitcom actor, is an alcoholic, has depression, basically just hates life and himself, and there's a whole bunch of zany characters that occupy <laughs> his house, his work. You know, I forgot how I forgot how insane this show sounds. Just out oh of my context. god, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very very weird. It has probably the weirdest first season. Uh, these guys were the ones that encouraged me to watch it in the first place. And the first couple of episodes seems very run-of-the-mill as, like, an adult animation where, like, they're just making fun about, oh, he drinks and parties and smokes a lot, whatever. Uh, oh, the the roommate's high. That's the joke. There's a, there's a couple of moments like that in the first episode that just seem very run-of-the-mill. But over the course of the first season, especially the second half of the first season – it really kind of opens the door into what this show is. And on one hand, it's a deep show talking about a lot of serious mental health issues and how to like navigate life in that regard. And then on the other hand, it's a big satirical take that rivals South Park, I think, in terms of stuff that we tolerate in Hollywood society, in just society as a whole. It does a lot, and it covers a lot of right. ground. It sounds like you're. De- it sounds like you're describing two separate shows, to be honest. <laughs> exactly, and yeah. it all blends together. So I turned out to really, really love it after these guys recommended it to me. But I've been talking for too much, guys. What do you think about BoJack Horseman as a whole? Um, well, I would. I would like to thank you guys for doing this because I started BoJack kind of on a whim. I was like, I was looking for like a half hour comedy to just throw on. I think I had just finished. Um, friends and something else and i was like all right i need a new half hour comedy what should i watch and i was like you know what i've seen and heard some good things about bojack horseman i'm not expecting a whole lot i don't really know a whole lot about it and i think it was at the end of season one end of season two and then into season three that i'm like this is way more than i thought it was and it is honestly it's outstanding and just preliminary thoughts it really has become Honestly, one of my all-time favorite shows, like up there with the greats, in my opinion. I think it's just solely as a comedy. I think it's as funny as things like Parks and Rec, The Office, Friends, all those classics. It makes me laugh just as hard as those do. And then it balances some unbelievable story and character work and their arcs. Um, five specific characters, I think five. And then the themes they dive into, like like Nate was saying, mental health, like depression, anxiety, self-destructive tendencies, addiction, uh, childhood trauma, uh, stardom, even just general society stuff. Like, they run the gamut of all kinds of crazy, difficult life situations, and they handle it pretty expertly in a way that I don't think anybody really expected. And they nail it on the head pretty much every time in a very, like, serious and deep life way and in a brilliant comedic way. Like, they just, I don't know, they just crush it in an unbelievably balanced way, and I ended up absolutely loving it. Yeah, my experience with it, you know, Netflix puts out, like, hundreds of shows every week. Like, I'm only exaggerating a little bit. Like, you can go to Netflix's homepage, and you'll see, like, oh, there's, like, there's Fuller House and then 50 other shows that debuted yeah. on Friday. <laughs> so, like, mm-hmm. obviously we don't have time for all of them. Um, and just on a whim, I started BoJack Horseman the first week it was available. Oh, wow. I don't know what even drew it drew me to it. It might have been Will Arnett. It might have been Allison Brie being attached to it. I was like, okay, kind of in the same way that you approached it, Jake, where I was like, I'm just looking for a good half-hour comedy. And this show's pivot has to be one of the biggest plot twists of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's wild. 
it's it's really funny watching some post-mortem interviews from the show's creators yeah. because they almost <laughs> say we wanted to kind of surprise viewers the first season and kind of like dip your toe in the water no kidding before throwing you in kind of thing of what this show yeah. was going to be about but they're kind of expressed some regret to it now saying we might have been even a little too secretive about it <laughs> because a lot of the early reviews for this show the first season uh were mixed because they only saw the first five episodes and you didn't see yeah nothing happens, where the show right. was going in the first five <laughs> yeah you needed like i think it was episode seven or eight where uh, we really got to know, like, what BoJack is. Uh, and obviously it pays off in spades, and it's one of the most acclaimed shows uh, animated-wise of recent yeah, times. I think, yeah, I think critically, it really has become one of, like, the higher, uh, higher-reviewed shows. It's funny you say that, Nate, because I've been watching a lot of post-mortem stuff, too, and it sounds like they didn't even really prepare the actors for what this is. Like, um, yeah. Will Arnett, it was either Will Arnett or Aaron Paul, they were talking about the experience of the first few table reads and just like, oh, like everybody looking at each other. Just yeah. Complete, like, <laughs> I thought this was like a funny horse show. Like, OK, we're going to talk about pill abuse and sex abuse and yeah, like self-destruction and, and overdose self-destruction. Right. <laughs> like, can you imagine like Will Arnett going back to his agent and being like, what have you gotten me into? Like before yeah, anything had happened. <laughs> like I know I signed up for yeah. it, but this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> right. It sounds like something that would be a bomb. It sounds like something we would talk about maybe in a loving way like 30 years down the line when the cult nostalgia cycle comes back around to it. It very much could have not worked. Yeah. And I think the reason it works so well is because this show is so – emotionally accepting of all of the different disorders. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It takes a look at Bojack is not a good, I was going to say, I was going to say horse, but dude, let's talk about him in, in, as far as like guy people. Yeah. He's not a good guy. He's got a lot of problems, but the show not once ever judges him for it. It immediately wants you to sympathize with him and wants you to want him to get better. And for a lot of people, it's like looking in a mirror, watching this show. Like I, I like I've, mm. I haven't struggled with the severity of certain things that Bojack deals with, but there are a couple of episodes, and this isn't a spoiler. There's one episode that basically just is about how his head pushes negative thoughts into him. I it's love called, that episode. The episode is called "Stupid Piece of Shit." Great In episode. my opinion, it's one of my favorite episodes. But it speaks to what a lot of people feel every day through this, like you said, completely zany and wacky animated show that is still hilarious and so satirical you know what i mean like it's yeah. the way that it's able to balance it is because it doesn't treat them like horses and cats it treats them like human beings <laughs> yeah that's why that's why it works is they like these humans and animals live together and it's not weird at all like people are married to dogs and horses and owls and, and it's just normal that's the world we live in mm. they really nail it and like andrew was uh was saying one of my favorite things about this show is had any of us done one of the really bad things Bojack has done, you would be haunted by that for forever. He's done a slew yeah. of really horrible things, like really horrible things. They don't for, they don't say like, oh, it's okay. He didn't mean to like your actions have consequences, but like you're still not you're still not just your mistakes. You're responsible for your actions, but, you know, yeah. you try to be better. You try to be better every day. Yeah, that's beautifully put. 
that is one of my favorite things about the show that not a lot of TV does yeah. is that the actions that the characters take, not just Bojack, but the entire cast, what they do carries over episode to episode, sometimes season to season. Mm -hmm. And uh, little things, even like one of the running gags in the the first season is that the Hollywood D gets stolen. Yeah. <laughs> and the entire community calls it Hollywood because <laughs> there's no more D at the end of the day. And that carries on through the, the entire show. show. All six seasons, it's Hollywood. Now, you take that example and you apply it to all these little decisions that just carry over. And it's in a direct attack against the sitcom idea that it's kind of parodying where episode resets at the end when the credits roll it takes that concept and right. turns it on its head and says life keeps going you don't get to pause undo there's no control z here what happened happened and now the world has to move past that right moment. we're talking about big existential themes going off of what you're saying here's what it boils down to life is going to hand you l's and you're going to be allowed to feel despair but it doesn't give you a right to quit. You have to get up and face yourself every day. And that's like, that's what Bojack struggles with and all of these characters struggle with. And what we push him to, it takes him a while to realize that. And that's why, that's where the internal conflict comes. Beyond the conflict of him trying to reconnect with his career, the real conflict of the show is just him getting himself to a point where he likes himself. Exactly. Being able to live with himself. <laughs> right. Honestly. Because, like, I'd say what the show shows us, some of the most monumental bad decisions he makes are at the end of season two and at the end of season three. No spoilers. You know what I'm talking about. And those all come back until the last episode. Those all come back to bite him in the ass. And that's pretty brilliant. Like, that doesn't happen in a lot of half-hour comedies. It just doesn't. They just kind of move on. Definitely. And they, they address it, and they show his consequences, and they show how he has to deal with it and, and try and be better. And it's Remarkable character work. Yeah, it's one of the most realistic shows I've ever watched, and it features talking <laughs> yes. animals. Yeah, and it's amazing. Yeah. So we've we've kind of gone over the topical bits. Uh, I encourage everyone who has at least heard of this show or has listened to what we've said here and thought that might appeal to them, please check it out on Netflix. It is one of the most unique shows I've seen on television. And and be patient with it too. Like we were saying, yeah. it doesn't hit you immediately, mm. but if you give it to like season two and if you still don't like it, obviously we don't agree, but you at least gave it a chance. Mm. But like you need to power through season one and then season two, it hits, it really hits its stride. Mm. Let's get a little bit more detail for those who have seen the show and have caught up on the last season. We're going to move on into spoiler territory now into the final season. Uh, so spoilers from here on out. Whoa. Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Excuse me, spoiler alert! Uh, let's start with Drew. Um, I mean, I would have actually been okay if that second-to-last episode, it would have been a really dark finale, but that second-to-last episode is one of the best half-hours of TV I've ever seen. It's called The View from Halfway Down. Um, and I we've kind of danced around giving credit to the voice actors, I think, 
Will Arnett, this is the best thing he's ever done, in my opinion. And I'm a big Will Arnett fan. He's very good uh, as Lego Batman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He really he, is. I mean, like, like, no bullshit. He's great as Lego Batman. Yeah. And he's really great in Arrested Development. But, like, this shows he's got dramatic chops, too. Like, there are different things that he's asked to do, especially in that episode, where it encompasses everything that the show has been to that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, that episode had me, like gripped and i and i was happy with the finale too i think the finale is really strong yeah but to me that is where bojack horseman ended and the next the finale is the epilogue to me yeah i i i agree with the epilogue aspect of it it, it kind of reminded me of breaking bad in a way where yeah. its penultimate episode could have been the finale if they wanted right. to but then they had the the afterthought with its final episode and both work as their own different endings. Right. The last two of Breaking Bad, because Ozymandias is the third to last, and that to me Which is, is like brilliant. the climax of the whole show. Yeah. Yeah. But then Granite oh, yeah, State yeah. and Felina were very much, yeah, like like you were saying, Nate. And then El Camino, of course, is an epilogue to an epilogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got to get there. Um, the view from halfway down, um, I loved the Secretariat bit. I think that yeah. was the peak of that episode for me. That poem has been all over the internet. Yeah, that, like... The, the piece about someone pretending to be, like, okay with their suicide and, uh, like, I'm stronger than all this. I don't give a shit about all of this. Like, but then having that regret uh, in his voice because it's literally just an all vocal performance. There's no visuals to make it more emotionally resonant. It is just Will Arnett going through this uh, motion in his head and it's awesome. It's such a really really deep hard-hitting moment it's like it's haunting and it's dark and in a way it's like beautifully poetic at the same time absolutely just well voice acted and very well written i mean like most episodes but that whole episode really is pretty haunting and at first i was like this is the big one and i'm not getting the bigness of it and then halfway through until the end was like oh holy shit that was that was i was actually kind of scary like that really yeah. hit you hard. <laughs> I like I like didn't want to go on. I was mm-hmm. like <laughs> I was like I, was I have like, to I watch need another a break. episode. I need a break. Like yeah, I sat on my couch and just kind of like oh, surfed man. Bojack internet for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> I I think the finale is really really good about what Jake was talking about earlier where it doesn't necessarily tidy everything with a nice little ribbon and kind of hand it off. You know what I mean? There Not are still all. consequences like there's a very good chance that Bojack and Diane will never speak again after that night. There's a very yeah. good chance that Bojack and Mr. Peanut Butter will never – like it, there's a chance that all of these characters are going to go their separate ways and never cross paths again. But he gets one final moment with each of them to mm-hmm. at least come close to saying he's sorry. And it, the show is all about progress. You know what I mean? And yeah. that is a step forward. Uh, hopefully he doesn't exactly. take a step back. That's what – that's for us to decide in our own heads. I loved his moment with Diane and Princess Carolyn, but with Todd, he's afraid of relapsing again because he's like, I've been clean for, I think it's a couple months. And he's like, what if I relapse again? And he's like, so then you relapse again and you get clean. And that is the reality for a lot of harsh addicts. Like they're they're haunted by their negative decisions and their troubles and everything that they've done. And when they're trying to be good, it could take dozens of times in rehab and, and getting clean for them to finally work out. And then sometimes it doesn't. And that's that is Bojack's reality. He has very broken relationships with almost everybody in his life and he's got to face those consequences but he's trying to be better and that's just how they ended that's where he is and 
I think it's amazing. It's contrasted really well with what happened with Sarah Lynn because yes. we get into Sarah Lynn's big tragedy is the only influence in her life was Bojack, who is the worst possible Ugh. person. But Bojack has a chance because all of these people around him are like, even if, you know, even if he up so many times, even if they argue and clash and don't talk anymore, he knows he can call Diane again if he needs to. In the last episode? Like if he really, really needs to. Do you to. think that? I think, I think like the support group is there if he needs it. Like absolutely needs it. That's interesting. I I took that as that being Diane and Bojack's final goodbye. I don't think they're ever going to speak again, period. I think that's it. I think it's one of those things where if he was in like and like an absolutely like dire need situation or was like, hey, I'm I'm about to I'm on the ledge of a building. He could right. call her. But I think ultimately that's there. But will she pick up is the question. But that was the whole point of the the finale. He did that and she was already out no, of the I'm with picture. Jake on this one. Like yeah, he tried to call her out of the pool. I, I mean, I think this is their like like we're not friends anymore. How many times have they gone through that cycle through the course of the series? That's happened a couple of times. Well, this one definitely felt more final. I think that's Diane's growth, though, is cutting toxic people out of her life. And Bojack yes. is without a doubt toxic. And she got the I'm trying to be better out of him, which is what she needed to hear to move on. And he's fully kind of realized that I've f***ed up this relationship enough that it's not fair to her to try to keep grasping at straws here. Like, that silence that she had when he asked if this was the last mm -hmm. time they were going to speak spoke volumes. That was the moment for me. And it's sad, but I think it's healthy for the two characters, and that's the final goodbye there. Especially Diane, yeah. Yeah, let, let's take let's take Diane out of – because this is getting away from my overall point. Um, let's take Diane out of the equation because – I think he could call Princess Carolyn and she would be there for him. Yes. I think he could count on Todd and she would he would be there for that. I think Mr. Peanut Butter would be there for him. I yeah. picked a bad person. My point is he has a better chance than Sarah Lynn ever did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the flip side of that that is definitely set in stone is what they did with uh, Hollyhock's character. Like she just flat out cut him out. Yeah. Um, and I that thought was that was one of – it was heartbreaking, but that was real life. Yes, made sense. I was like, damn, that sucks, but that made sense. She did not need BoJack in her life. She had seven dads and didn't need to worry about trying to keep him in check as she wanted to live her life. So, yeah, it's it sucks, but cutting out a toxic person was the healthiest thing for her to do. And yeah. seeing that from BoJack's perspective of just the flat cut was heartbreaking. Real, but heartbreaking. Yeah, and unfortunately it sent him spiraling um, again <laughs> for like the 19th time in the whole show. Right. But mm -hmm. but it's real. Can you guys remind me, uh, what was the deer's name? I, I can't remember her name Penny. currently. The, right. Penny. Yes. Yeah. And just to see like all of that come back to haunt him after like years of separation from it. Like he's not that same dude anymore. It's still actions have consequences. Right, it's the whole the good, the bad, and the ugly and taking lemons and making them into lemonade. Like, he's in prison at the end of the show, but in prison, he's running the drama club. You know what I mean? He's finding outlets of good to kind of mm -hmm. progress who he is overall. And yeah. like, even if the situation isn't easy, you need to find, like, you know, if the road is bump, I'm just like talking in cliches all over the place, but if the, <laughs> if the road is bumpy, you can't just go find a different path. You can't drive on the grass. 
I'm just making them up now. Yeah, I, <laughs> but I, I like but your point stands. You get my point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your yeah, point yeah. stands. Really briefly, just highlights from other characters' arcs. Because we've been talking a lot about BoJack, and obviously the show is about Which BoJack. Which makes sense, yeah. I fell in love with Princess Carolyn's character over the course of these past six seasons. I think she's amazing, yeah. She might be the best character written-wise um, in the whole show, in my opinion. That's so hard. <laughs> I don't... I mean, I would say her, Diane, and Bojack all have really brilliant character arcs from start to finish. Mm-hmm. That are constantly changing, too. They never yeah. feel like they fully develop which again is realistic that's how life works uh there's no tidy bows around any of them but just seeing her grow from someone who feels so attached to toxic people to becoming her own successful person but still never fully happy up until the finale uh that was just yeah so uh engaging to watch like yeah it's not even that i connected to her it's just that i understood her plight and I wanted to see her do well. And it was so heartbreaking every time she didn't. And I, I loved the Ruthie bits, both in the, uh, toward the end of season four and the beginning of season six, season four hit me like a truck. Yeah. That, that episode is such like a wait for it's just it. the, the <laughs> last 30, just the last 30 seconds. Like at first it's just an interesting episode. And the last 30 seconds is like, like if I watch it at nine o'clock at night, I'm sitting in a dark room for a good 10 minutes. Like God Damn, that was really hard. <laughs> but then they they reverse it. I think it's uh, season six, episode two. We're we're spoiling, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so the whole <laughs> idea behind Ruthie is that I'm sorry, I'm I'm laughing. <laughs> he asked, "Are we spoiling after we spoiled the finale and the second to last episode?" I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, you're right. Well, well, too late. <laughs> you're right. That's just um, that's a really big. Oh, Lordy. Those are both really big episodes for me, character-wise. So, I wanted to triple check. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so the whole idea behind Ruthie is that she will never actually find happiness in her life, and it's a story she she tells herself these happy stories to keep herself going, and it's really really rough. But in season six, the thing she wants is she wants to be a successful mother, and she's having trouble finding that relationship and getting a child, and she ends up adopting a baby and naming it. Ruthie and kind of fulfilling this and fulfilling that arc. And I was, so she named the baby Ruthie. And there was a point like I didn't watch the next episode and I was like, not choked up, but moved. I was like, this, this show, like that is so beautiful. God damn it. (laughs) We've talked about this show for 25 minutes and we have not once said who the creator of the show is. Raphael Bob Waksberg is his name. Whoever he is, thank you, thank God. I, I'm letting you pronounce the name. <laughs> <for this one. laughs> um, but we should put some respect on his name because you guys, you guys talked about the complexity of the arcs for BoJack, Diane, and Princess Carolyn, and how they change as people. I want to talk about the two characters that don't change yet still have a lot of emotional meaning, which is Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter. And their their characters are pretty static overall. Like, obviously, things change about Todd. We learn he's asexual. Um, we learn about his relationship with his mother. But overall, Todd is Todd is the wacky character. Mm. Personality-wise, I think emotionally-wise, he definitely develops a lot. And I think Pe- Mr. Peanut Butter definitely does. Cause At he, the end, yes, Mr. Peanut Butter it really Mr. does. Mr. Peanut Butter is, you know, he, he wants to be a people pleaser so bad. He wants to be so, like, universally mm-hmm. liked and he will like bend over backwards and create lies just to avoid 
any kind of, you know, uncomfortable feelings. Confrontation. Yeah. How long do him and Diane go back and forth circling divorce? Like circling the idea of divorce, circling the idea that they just don't like each other, but he doesn't approach it because he tries to find so many things to distract himself with. She leaves the country to distract herself from the fact that their marriage isn't working. And he just – he starts the the Daniel Radcliffe show, which great bit by the way. Uh, Love that. You, what's the full title, Jake? Mm-hmm. You would know it. <laughs> um, it's like um, celebrities. Do they know things? What do they know? Let's find out or – yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> like way too long. <laughs> he dives headfirst into that just so he doesn't have to face the feelings that something might be wrong in his life. And Which also is great because he's a golden retriever and golden retrievers are positive yeah, at all times. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way. <laughs> so it's just great. Mm-hmm. And I just think they don't have as big and obvious and sweeping as of arcs as the main trio that we talked about, the holy trinity of those characters. But all five of these characters experience change and have to experience hard things throughout the course of these six seasons. And I like I just appreciate when the show is so deep and it takes time to develop the characters that aren't just on the marquee. For sure. Mm-hmm. Mr. Peanut Butter does does get a pretty big change, but only in the last season and a half. I think one through one through four and then parts of five, he's just kind of this like a, a direct quote. Um, everything's great as they always are from my perspective. Like that's just who he is as a character. Yeah, as a he's, he's inherently selfish, right. And just like everything's upbeat no matter what. But I think the last season and the last half of season five is where... We really start to like peanut butter's booze through the, all the Halloween parties. Mm-hmm. That episode is where we really start to find out like, well, you got some issues that you are not addressing, Mister Peanut Butter. <laughs> For sure, yeah, he's he's a fascinating character too, just because he starts out as an obvious foil to Bojack, where like yeah. <laughs> he loves his suburb celebrity life, and Bojack hates it, and that kind of yin yang thing between the two of them. But he's very much his own entity, I think, by the beginning of the third season or so. And But we still are engaged with his story, even if you find him annoying like I did for the first half of the show. Uh, it's fun to be annoyed at him, and then you you love him by the second half of yeah. the show, in my opinion. It's very complicated character work. In a show with talking animals. Right. <laughs> very, very. And also, we're talking about all the, the deep-rooted life moments because that's what this show brilliantly accomplishes. But I still think it holds its own as a comedy. Oh, absolutely. This show is mm-hmm. laugh-out-loud funny every season. Uh, every episode. The last half yeah. of season six. Last half of season six, I think, ditches comedy a little bit. Yes. But as a whole, this show's so funny. I think it's the finale of season two where everything that Mr. Peanut Butter and Todd have done throughout the course of the season like culminates in this natural disaster of like spaghetti of strainers like, and spaghetti yeah, yeah like, <laughs> with Margot Martindale <laughs> I have never laughed so hard at TV before oh my god and there's just there's lots of crazy right. moments like that and we haven't even talked about all the animal puns. We haven't talked yet, about the animal puns. Yeah. I adore. Yeah, how, how <laughs> unbelievably visually creative this show is too. Like there are things on mm. repeat episodes that I'm like, I never noticed that before. <laughs> what a brilliant little detail they threw in there. I didn't. Either, I didn't see that the first time. Like it's everywhere. Yeah. When the show makes me laugh the most is when it is being extremely satirical and has its knives out and its teeth out to what's happening in the world. Like I love the episode where. 
Bojack accidentally becomes a feminist basically by saying just like don't be mean to women. Right. Yeah, like don't field. beat like, women and yeah, they're like, like yeah. yeah. And he becomes a feminist. <laughs> right. And I love the the gun control one where it's just the all thoughts, about and thoughts and prayers. One is great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Those are so incredible and ballsy. It hits harder than a South Park episode in those moments. Yeah, they're they're very topical. Like sometimes it takes uh, shows a little while to catch up to things. They're pretty on. They're pretty up to date, pretty consistently. It's very impressive. Well, because a lot of the sh- issues that it's covering have just been around for literal decades, that's and true. no one bats an eye. That's true, and they they address that as well. Mm-hmm. I love their their whole Oscar thing too. Like, oh, Bradley Cooper, we love him for some reason. Let's write him in. Like. They make fun of everything mm. in such smart ways. I could be misremembering, but doesn't Bojack hologram win the Oscar or like his like CGI recreation for Secretary? Well, yeah, his entire performance was uh, CGI because he, he was right. in Arizona with Penny yeah. for the entire filming of the yeah, movie. Yeah, he has another midlife crisis. <laughs> so they CGI him and he's like, it wasn't even me. And they're like, it doesn't matter. You were great. Right. The chances the show <laughs> takes, man. Like the experimental nature. Uh, really quick, I want to name drop my favorite episode, which is Fish Out of Water. One of my favorites too. Unbelievable. Like a silent Buster Keaton comedy. Just like the entire thing. Like, he can't talk because he's underwater, but it just is conveyed through visuals and music, and it's still hilarious, and it's touching. Mm-hmm. Like, what other show would do something like that? Not There's not a lot that would. And it does it a lot. Like, there's that. There's Free Churro does does a brilliant, uh, yeah, unique Free kind Churro of thing. Yeah, Free Churro is the complete opposite, where it's just one monologue for 23 minutes. And I think that's my favorite episode, because it is so gripping the entire time. Building to an obvious but incredible punchline. Like, I knew that was coming, mm. that he was going to be talking at the wrong <laughs> wedding, but it still paid off because they're all just looking at him like, Funeral, what the not hell? wedding, like, but yes. <laughs> like, yeah, very different. We could do a full hour on BoJack and not cover everything. Mm. Yeah, I, I think we will wrap it up here, but just for for record purposes, on the seat scale, where do we rate BoJack Horseman, oh, gentlemen? Goodness. Starting with Jake. Final words and a rating. Freaking royal throne that, like, I don't know, like Zeus could sit on an Olympus. Like <laughs> this is absolutely one of my favorite shows. Um, I pretty much don't have a qualm with it. This is about, I think at its funniest, it's as funny as any show I've watched. And I think on a character story, thematic, tackling real life situations level, I don't know that I've seen anything like it. It's it's the way it tackles depression and anxiety and addiction, childhood trauma, all, you know, everything we've already talked about is I think pretty unparalleled. Like Breaking Bad does addiction and self-destruction very well. This does that and more. Like it's just unbelievable. The the character work that they do for horses and dogs and owls and cats and whatever else. Like it's just, (laughs) it's just absolutely incredible. This is one of my favorite shows of all time. Do Do you need a napkin to clean yourself off? Are you okay? (laughs) <laughs> you knew this was coming. I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the surprise factor because I started this show randomly and I could not believe how much I fell in love with it over the course of six seasons. Yeah. I, it's a royal throne for me too. It's tough to rate TV shows, I think. Yeah. Because they're so much more comprehensive and like, do you not give it a royal throne if there was like a he- like a three episode span where you were like, this is good, not great. You know what I mean? Like, how do you how do you do it? But overall, what it accomplishes, it deserves a royal throne. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's one of my favorite shows ever. I think I'm in like the lower end of the three of us, but it's still a royal throne to me. The only thing I would say is that I don't know 
if I'll be rewatching it as frequently as I know the two of you do. Yeah. I still love it, obviously, and I respect what it is and, and adore everything that it's able to do emotionally and comedically. The emotional punches, will it hit as hard the second time around? And that's why I think I'm a re- little reluctant to go back. Well, I've, I've rewatched that underwater episode three or four times, and I'm wowed every time. So right. I think I, that does happen for me. <laughs> Which bodes well for it if I do decide to go back. Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, I'll just cut to the trade. It's another Royal Throne, so this TV show is a certified Golden Throne from the Middle Seats podcast. Like, comparing it to some of my other all-time favorite TV shows, like Futurama and Scrubs, all three of those shows are primarily comedies uh, that delve into deeper issues here and there and make it better. BoJack is kind of like the inverse, where it primarily is focusing on the emotional journeys of these characters, but still has the comedy to back it up. And I think finding a show like that that strikes the balance this well and is this smartly written is a rare but beautiful thing to come by. So I thoroughly encourage anybody to watch BoJack Horseman uh, and give it a shot because it it is great and it's definitely going to be one of my all-time favorites, I think. Um, So if you guys haven't gotten the hint, Watch BoJack Horseman if you have. Pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Um, that'll do it for our lobby talk segment. We've been talking a lot about Sonic here, so let's get into our main review now of Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm Sonic, a little ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. I am living my best life on Earth. Why are you hiding out in my garage? They're coming for me! If they steal my power, they could conquer the universe. You have to help me. I'm going to give you five seconds to tell me where it is. Wait! Don't hurt him! That was an illegal left, by the way. Oh, this one is cute. Let's keep him. Oh, come on! Let's go! Sonic the Hedgehog is directed by first-time director Jeff Fowler. It stars Ben Schwartz as the titular hedgehog, Sonic. Um, James Marsden, Jim Carrey, plays Dr. Robotnik. Tika Sumter, Neil McDonough, and then a couple of other people that are not that important. Uh, It's based on the global blockbuster video game franchise from Sega. Uh, Of course, Sonic the Hedgehog, he is the speediest alien hedgehog in the galaxy. He has to run from his home planet. He makes it on his way to Earth, and he posts up in a small town in Montana. Um, He just thinks that's the like, best place in the world. So he, like, kind of stalks from a distance until one day he goes for, like, an angsty run and he gets on the government's radar. And from there, Dr. Robotnik is tracking him down and he has to team up with the sheriff, his best friend Tom, a.k.a. Donut Lord, a.k.a. played by James Marsden, on a wild adventure to go find the... It doesn't matter. We'll get to it in a second. Um, (laughs) This movie... Very relatable. We've all had experiences like this. I think there's a universe where... This movie, we've never talked about it before on this podcast, but we have talked about it because the first trailer came out. It was originally slated to come out in November of 2019. They were gearing up for that. They released the first trailer, and Sonic straight up doesn't look like Sonic. He looks like... I, I What's the best way? Like, really quick, what's the best way you would describe old Sonic? Blue Demon. Unnatural. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That flowed with a lot of <laughs> hatred on it, Jake. I like that. <laughs> he looked more like a dog. Than a hedgehog. Look up YouTube comments. You'll get it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like, I'm not clever enough to come up with one of those. But basically, if I were to just, like, visualize and describe him, uh, he looked like he had two small hands. 
His eyes were, like, very humanoid, and he had teeth. Like, he had, like, legitimate not cartoon teeth. Like Bruce from Finding Nemo. Like, get that out of here. Like like the shark from Finding Nemo. (laughs) Exactly like that. (laughs) So, I don't know any other way to put it. The internet cyberbullied Paramount and the director. Outrageous. Yeah, and basically got them to change Sonic's design. And he looks way better now. We can get into the ethics of having visual effect artists basically give up their holidays to fix this. But they did indeed fix it. He looks better. But how is the movie? Was the movie worth all the trouble? I think a lot of us anticipated no. But then the box office results came in and the reviews have actually been leaning slightly positive. Not like overwhelmingly, but it's fresh and Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, is it still? Yeah, it's 63-ish, which I mean, oh, like, wow. it's, a, it's a moral victory more than anything. Because, I mean... Metacritic is not great. The people that dislike it really dislike it. Uh, mm. And I'm interested to see where you guys land. Let's start with Nate Lungarini. What did you think of Sonic the Hedgehog? So this is obviously going to draw a lot of comparisons, at least for me, to Detective Pikachu, because it's another beloved video game character getting a movie. I, I think between the two, I like Detective Pikachu more, but that isn't high praise because I thought Detective Pikachu was pretty middling. Um, I'm, I'm about the same here. It had some charm to it, I guess, but it wasn't nearly as creative in its world building, in its jokes, compared to other kids' movies of the same caliber, even other video game movies. I liked the main guy. What was his name? Um, James Mars. The, the sheriff, Sheriff Tom. It, it, was, it was fun enough. Sonic was, like, the perfect mix between annoying and sincere, just like some of his video game appearances. But uh, I think the only thing that I, across the board, enjoyed all the way through was Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. I thought he was fun, at the very least, but the rest of the movie didn't live up to that level. Huh, level. That was good. Did you mean that or no? Absolutely, totally. (laughs) <laughs> I, you, you didn't you didn't mean that i know you no, just, <laughs> not a yeah, chance, no chance. Uh, jake what did you think of sonic I'll, I'll be honest i had a real issue with the first 10 minutes yeah yeah spoiler alert sega decided they wanted a marvel intro with their first movie and i was like get that shit out of here you need to earn that yeah pause you don't get to do it a cutaway intro with all your video games and then have a red background and a Sega original film. Yeah. No, stop it. Hey, hey look, I was there's like, Sonic and uh, everything else. Uh, ev- cool. The other things that they <laughs> like, do. Yeah. Right. I was like, if this is the way the movie's going, I am in some serious trouble. And then the actual parts of the movie, the intro was like very rushed and very generic. Like, pause. You're probably wondering why I'm running away from this laser beam. Let's cut back. Like some major Deadpool energy, but not as good as Deadpool. Not even close. Yeah. Deadpool for kids is how I thought of it for most of it. Yeah, yeah, like motor mouth, pausing, going back and forth with cuts for like like once from the intro. But um, overall, I was I thought it was all right. Uh, I was expecting less. I didn't think it was like great. Like Nate said, it's, it's middling. There are Detective Pikachu comparisons because I didn't think it was a bad movie. It was like entertaining enough. Thank God it's under an hour 40 because I think that's just about as long as I was willing to sit. But I like Ben Schwartz as Sonic. I thought he was a good choice. I like Jim Carrey. Uh, I thought James Marsden was good enough. I think he could have been worse. He doesn't need to do a whole lot, though, so I'm glad he wasn't bad because then that would have just been lazy. He's the chauffeur for most of the movie, literally. Yeah, like he doesn't have that much to do. Um, There's certainly some generic and cheesy roll-your-eyes stuff. There are definitely some plot issues, but as a whole, it's 
it's generally pretty fun. There were a couple laughs. And it's a decent kids movie. It's not anything great, but it's better than I expected. I think kids are really going to love this. I think they already are. Yeah, that's what um, I was getting. I think kids will really love it, and I think adults will tolerate it. I like. I mostly didn't care for this. I think it, I thought it was fine. I, I kind of echo what a lot of you guys, a lot of the things you guys are saying. Like, I think Ben Schwartz does a really nice job. Uh, he somehow makes Sonic likable, because Sonic is kind of a dick. Like, let's be completely honest. He's always been that, like, cool dude with attitude um, who, like, eats chili dogs and, like, hangs out with his friends and beats up the old scientist that's coming uh, to yeah, harvest organs. Yeah, he would be organs. a frat bro. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> And, and that's pretty much who Ben Schwartz was as John Ralphio on Parks and Rec, so it's a good choice. Um, mm. The yeah. difference is John Ralphio doesn't have entire movies <laughs> surrounding him, you know? It, yeah, uh, John Ralphio's the worst, but on purpose. Like, he's supposed to be, but I, yeah, every time he shows great. up in Parks and Rec, mm. I, don't, I don't even think he's funny. I'm like, just please go away. But that's the point, you know? Like, it's oh, I love him. <laughs> um, I, this, is Jim, this is Jim Carrey unleashed for the first time since probably the early 90s, maybe late 90s, we'll say. But this is like... Like, Sonic the Hedgehog wouldn't be out of place next to Liar Liar or Dumb and Dumber or Ace Ventura as far as manic Jim Carrey performances. He's just completely unleashed. He's having the time of his life. He's doing whatever he wants again. Yeah. Yeah. He's being Jim Carrey. There's moments where he's just like – it feels like he ad-libbed something about, like, not wanting to be a best man in a wedding – at a destination wedding, and it has nothing to do with anything else. But you still um, get it. You kind of get what he means. <laughs> right, but it's funny. Like, yeah, that's what I'm exactly. Like, every time yes. he is the focus, it springs to life. And I think the problem is, and this is actually, it surprised me how much Sonic has in common with problems we've talked about with superhero movies. They make him so overpowered that they have to find ways to dull his powers or the movie would be over in five minutes. And because of that, the story is, like, awful. Yep. His power is to run, and he is sitting shotgun for at least 40 minutes of this movie. Yeah, I had an issue with that. And, like, they're, they're like, oh, <laughs> I need you to drive me around because I don't know where I'm going. Right. Really? Like, oh, I hit the ocean. You, All right. Try again. You Yeah. You ran to the Pacific Coast in five seconds and back. Go another direction then. You're bound to get there. Like, just, just give him a map. And right. he can ask for directions once he gets there. He can run up the side of the building to get yeah, to Yeah, that was my other thing. Oh, oh, oh there's security. We got to take the elevator. Yeah. No, you don't. No, you don't. Run up the side of the yeah. building, grab your stuff, and go. Like, you're fine. Right. Like, they, they, yeah. they show him to be Quicksilver level. Like, they rip off X-Men Days of Future yes. Past, which is oh, fine yeah. because those sequences are good. Um, <laughs> I, I like those sequences. I thought those were kind of pretty cool action scenes. It is such a ripoff of what... Brian yeah. Singer did with X-Men Days of Future Past. I'm not even surprised, but, but yes. But it's fine because, like, they're, they're interesting sequences and they show just how kind of badass his power is. But they need to do things like tranquilize him with darts so he can't, like, he can only walk. Like, oh, bit. my leg, mm-hmm. my legs are sore. Now I can't run. Like, oh, I'm sorry. And also, it's been proven he can read because all he does, this movie is reference central. Like, first ten minutes. If you had the over-under for Don't Stop Me Now playing, you definitely hit the under. Because mm. first 10 minutes, Don't Stop Me Now, he's reading Flash comments. Comics, excuse me. He His favorite movie is Speed. He loves ping pong. Fast like, and Furious. Oh, oh my God. Fast and Furious. He makes Fast and Furious references. Like, mm. oh my God. This is what bothers me about this type of kids movie is that a lot of its jokes are are references to the real world and not what's actually going on in its movie. Detective Pikachu had mm-hmm. Pokemon-centric jokes. Right. And Doolittle had 
as bad as they were, the jokes were at least about what was going on in the movie. Here, it's all like, oh, do you recognize this thing that I'm talking about? Uh, oh, it's this restaurant. Uh, this thing happened in real life. Like, that dates your movie, and it just seems like cheap, easy humor to me. Like, I can get right. that from the, SNL. I don't need you to give me pop culture references. There, there's a point where Sonic references the Civil War, and I'm like, like, what? how yeah. How does he know what that is, and why, why are we talking about this right now? <laughs> uh, That's, my, I, that like, is true. Like, if he can read, he can read the signs to get to San Francisco is my point. So, like, why are we doing – like, the whole point is just to get him in the car with somebody else so that we can develop the emotional through lines and that this movie wouldn't be over in 15 minutes. Right. Like, it's as simple <laughs> as that. So they, they had no story to begin with. The script is bad. It's predictable is the point I'm getting it's, to. Oh, yeah. If you pause it 20 minutes in and go – Hey, Jake, what do you think is going to happen? I could have told you exactly what happened. Right. Very predictable. <laughs> and I'll say it's not a disaster. It's not. It's not nearly no. as bad as Doolittle. It, I just think it's mostly mediocre. It's middling. But it's the best <laughs> I've got. <laughs> yeah, and that, that lull tells me that we all kind of feel the same. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that, that lull is a hint to me that a spoiler yeah, and our spoiler section. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're joining us for the first time, the middle seats, we rate movies on the seat scale. If we think a movie has no flaws whatsoever, we give it a royal throne. If we think a movie is great but has minor flaws, we give it a plush recliner. If we think a movie is really good but has some pretty glaring flaws, we give it a wooden seat. Uh, the inverse of that, if we think a movie's not very good but has some pretty decent standouts, we give it a damp lawn chair. If a movie has no redeeming qualities whatsoever or is just generally very bad, we give it a sleazy outhouse. And if we think you should see it in theaters, we put the little bag of popcorn check mark next to it. Um, so, Nate, I know you started the conversation, so I'll go to Jake first for ratings. Um, For me, it's not a bad movie, so I'm going to give it a wooden seat, but it's a lower-end wooden seat. Just because like, there are definitely flaws I'm glad they changed the design because his design is definitely better now. But it's very predictable. There's some glaring plot issues. James Marsden is like they give him act, like there's a point where they have Sonic Drive for no reason, so James Marsden can have a little action. Like there's just random things in there that I was rolling <laughs> yeah, my eyes about at. That yeah, I'm like, why is Sonic <laughs> mm -hmm. now driving? So James Marsden can have more screen time. Yeah. So there were there's a lot of little things like that you kind of roll your eyes over, but as a whole, it's generally pretty entertaining. Um, there's a nice little buddy thing here and there. I don't think James Marsden is bad. I think Ben Schwartz is good. Jim Ca Jim Carrey's good. It's overall it's it's fine. It's fun. Um, I'll probably forget about it until December when we start going over all the movies we saw at the end of the year, and I'll be like, oh right, Sonic, that was okay, and that that'll be it. Nate, will you feel the same way? Uh, I'm gonna go a little down. I'm more of a, a damp lawn chair on this one. I just I just was not excited by anything the movie was throwing out me and i know that i'm not the target demographic for this type of movie like we talked about with doolittle last podcast but this movie felt like it really wasn't trying for a lot of it the story was very basic and the jokes were not very funny yeah it was it just felt like trying to get the blue hedgehog on screen and in that part they succeeded <laughs> congratulations you got sonic in the sonic movie yeah yeah, Sonic is a character. They they brought him to life. They they made him a fun character for kids to watch. Uh, I think they did the same thing with Dr. Eggman. Uh, I do like Jim Carrey. He was definitely the redeeming quality of this movie for me. 
But everything else and how they strung it together, I just was so unsatisfied the entire time. I didn't really get anything out of this. You compare that again to Detective Pikachu, where they're also trying to build a world from scratch based off of nostalgia and the video games. And I thought that did such a better job because it was actually creative with how it went around things. Uh, Here, I think it played off every single cliche kids movie drive along I've ever seen. Uh, and you just put the Sonic branding on it. And I don't know, mm. I wasn't really satisfied with that. Um, if it was a little funnier, I might have been a little bit kinder to it, but as of now, I'm going to stick to Amplon Chair. Yeah, I think the Detective Pikachu one is a good comparison because it's it's a kind of a what to do and what not to do with these properties. I think these two movies, I mean, it's the bar's so low. But I think they're towards the upper echelon of video game movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Detective Pikachu, for all the faults, for all the problems I had with the story, for the predictability, for the problems I had with the main character, that movie had an idea. And importantly, it had a soul. You know, it had some kind of ingenuity yes. behind it. This movie comes close to having a soul, not just being a corporate product, but it never reaches it. I'm right. I'm on the negative side with Nate. Um, I'm going to give it a damp lawn chair. It's not like a totally awful damp lawn chair. But it's not like a good one either. Um, not that there's ever a good damn. It's an average damn. <laughs> um, the big thing for me that like last non-spoiler thing I want to talk about is to getting to the soullessness product part of this. This movie has some of the most blatant product placement I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah, and I I hate when they do that. I didn't think we could get to levels worse than Transformers, but there was a literally a scene where the main characters are apartment hunting. And she turns the laptop so you can see the the site and says, look at these places that I found on Zillow, all your apartment hunting needs or whatever it was. Literally literally the the Truman Show. If you buy this knife. It's another Jim Carrey movie. Jim Carrey movie, right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And like to take it a step further, I've been been dropping Olive Garden references recently. And I'm kind of tight about it because I hated all that. James Marston turns to the camera basically and he's like, oh, honey. Uh, you know, who loves Olive Garden? Because when you're there, you're family. Like, like yeah, that's, that's I, just I wanted, the slogan. That's just this, the slogan. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? This movie had a gut. I would have punched it in the gut. I was like, cut cut that out. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that is just a microcosm of the problem, with, which is that it's just a soulless, acceptable, fine blockbuster for kids. Did the design make a difference? Probably. Like a little bit. I think I would have been a bit. little lower. But, I, but at the other hand, I think we would have gotten used to it eventually. Like we would have been annoyed at the beginning and then we would have gotten used to the design as it went along. You're probably right. And the problems would still remain. So I don't know how much it would have pushed right. the needle. We're going to see a second one. I think they could do some creative things in a second one. But for now, damp lawn chair. Let's see some world building. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of the elements they set up for world building in our spoiler section. If you have not seen Sonic the Hedgehog, duck out now. If you have seen it, come join us in spoilers. Whoa! Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Excuse me, spoiler alert! So do you guys want to start at the beginning or the end or – because there's a thing at the beginning I want to talk about. Do I have the floor? Are you okay with me? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. The f*** <laughs> is up with that owl? Like – Very random. <laughs> It, first of all, I'll go to the video game expert or closer to a video game expert. Is is Long Claw like a character? 
like in the games because I as don't. As far remember. as I know, no. Right. Uh, like, like I, I haven't played many of the three D more current ones. Like I think the last one I played was Sonic Heroes back before the Wii was big. You know, uh, so. As far as I know, Longclaw is not a character. Right. Uh, we saw, like, those Knuckles-esque echidna things uh, that were attacking Sonic and the Owl, but... Right. And did everybody stay to the mid-credits? Yes. Yeah. See, Tails? See, see my friend Tails? Yeah. yeah. So, so Tails is back, and that, I think, was to be expected. Yeah. yeah. I think Knuckles will be back, too, eventually. Uh, and then there's Shadow, too, who's anti-Sonic. Yeah. I did see funny internet... Uh, memes on Reddit and Twitter and the like of like what did Tails look like before the redesigns if they were playing <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true they were brutal yeah. <laughs> um, but that's like funny. so we start on like I said on Sonic's home planet which is basically just a track for him yeah and then like this owl's like his like kind of mother I, I like it's not clear to me what she is she's like a surrogate mother but like also annoyed by him right but also annoyed <laughs> by him and she looks like she's from the owls of Gahul um, yep. And like, it looks like we dropped right into that Zack Snyder movie. And then he escapes. It's implied she dies. And then he never brings her up again. Not once. Like, there's no, like, force vision of Longclaw where he's like, I don't know what to do. And Longclaw's like, use the f- the power, not the force. The you know? rings. <laughs> use the rings, right. But, like, never brought up again. Ever. He could have easily brought that up in that really cliche scene where Sonic and Sheriff Tom have that falling out about like, how could you leave that, Green Hills? That pissed me off. He was like, oh tell my me, God, that tell was, me your that dreams, buddy. Tell me what's on your mind. Oh, f- your dream. What is that? Like, dude. That pissed me off too. I'm like, I'm like, that's, that's generally like not a good message to send kids. Like it's okay to leave your hometown and follow your dreams. Don't bash that. There's nothing wrong yeah, and with it, that. And especially because they double back on it at the end of the movie, too. Yeah. 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 I, that actually made me a little mad. I'm like, yo, not a good message, movie. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, why Ben Schwartz's work is so valuable. Because Sonic is constantly causing problems for everyone in his life. Like, <laughs> yeah. he, he starts so much stuff at that bar that, like... Yeah, can we talk about that? Go ahead. Go for it. Yeah. Um, so we we were briefly... <laughs> Before we dove in to the discussion off off mic, we were a little bit laughing about this scene, just intermittently. He's sitting at a bar, like on a bar stool with hat glasses and like poncho kind of thing. Yeah, he's dressed like Clint Eastwood in like Good Band the Ugly, right? Yeah, and pe- and that's just every- everybody at the bar kind of accepts it. And like I don't I don't care how drunk I am, if I'm seeing something with blue fur and a sombrero sitting at a bar, I'm gonna be like, you know, that's weird. Yeah. Like they, I'm, they I'm going to address even, that. Like they, Later in the movie, uh, when they need to get to the top of the tower because Sonic dropped his rings because Sheriff Tom shot him. Yeah, uh, whatever, whatever. Like the whole idea, you were talking about him having to run up the side of the building earlier. They put him in a bag instead. And like this, I actually thought it was a pretty funny joke. Sheriff Tom's like, these two people like hear Sonic struggling in the bag. And he's like, oh, no, 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 it's, it, it's my kid. Uh, it's not my kid. You know, like, uh-huh, ki- kidnapping joke. But nobody calls the police after that. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. no one? Okay. Yeah, and they and they let him up because he's a cop. But I'm I'm glad she said you're from Montana. Yeah, I came here. That's how serious it is. Shut up. That's not funny. It's just stupid. That's like you wrote the script once and didn't edit Whatever. it at all. Like I, that didn't that didn't bother me as much as the bar scene. Uh, like, I don't I don't think I needed that. <laughs> it's, it's just a systematic problem across the whole movie, in my opinion. I mean, the bar scene does lead up to a pretty, like I said, 
complete ripoff of Days of Future Past, but a pretty cool action moment where he slows down time and moves things around. Yeah, I, I, I guess that part was fine, but I feel like we could have gotten that scene out of any circumstance. Yeah, but a little more organically, too. Like, they stop to, like, build a friendship and awkwardly at a bar while he's sitting there and, like, trying to be in disguise, but obviously not in a good disguise at all. And I was like, this could be done better. They also needed to establish he could do that if they were going to do it later because we would have been like, well, he could do that the whole time. I mean, we're still saying Uh, that, but, like, Yeah, but that's still a problem for the movie. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, I just... I just found myself struggling to care. And maybe that's just me being a cynical old grouchy man in a kid's movie, but... I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't yeah. find myself resonating with that. Mate, I didn't care, and then Sonic flossed, and then I cared. <laughs> Christ. So that was the tipping Ugh. point. You want to date your movie? Put flossing or like whipping and naying in it. I'm like, at like ten years from now, people are going to be like, "What is he doing?" Like they won't understand. <laughs> like I like that's why I don't think modern references equals humor. Mm-hmm. They did have one uh, Sonic meme joke in where I think it's like Sanic, where it's a very badly drawn hedgehog. Um, and that's just a popular meme online. And like that kind of reference is fine because it's about the source material. But all the other stuff that we were talking about earlier oh, in this podcast. Oh, just you know like, what? You know what mindless humor issue I had? Why does James Marsden's wife's sister sister in law hate Thank it? you? hate him so much yeah like at the end i get it they like they stole her car broke into her home with this alien if she hated him after that i get it before that she openly to his face hates him for absolutely no reason and i'm like is that supposed to be funny because it's just weird and random doesn't make any sense why she's like whispering divorce in both of their ears and i'm like that's kind of weird and there's no Uh lead up to that i don't jake i was getting there you just threw him in the alley oop uh (laughs) that actress i mean I'm sure she's fine in other things, but she stunk here. Like, every time she was part of anything going on. Mm-hmm. It was the same thing. I, I've right. always told you I hated him. It feels like okay. that whole that entire sequence is designed just so that the little girl can give Sonic new shoes. <laughs> like, doesn't it feel like that's the... Yep. <laughs> that plus, like, oh, oh, Sonic's hurt. Uh, Tika Sumter, she's a vet. She can fix him. Uh, yeah, this alien yeah. she's never seen before in her life. Sure. <laughs> right. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that was going to be my next thing. Where that yeah, that was... generally did annoy me. I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> All right, Jim Carrey, before we wrap up. Yeah, Jim, <laughs> Jim, 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 Jim Carrey was fun. Uh, I thought his banter was particularly good. I think what he did with James Marsden at the beginning of the movie, trying to get into the house, that back and forth was really fun. I thought their rivalry was overall just fun. I actually felt that way too. Yeah, I kind of liked that. Yeah. I like the scene where he's just, like, by himself and just, like, dancing. I thought that was pretty, like, pure joy. Like, he asked he asked to do that. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's probably in his contract at this point. You need to give him a scene to just mess around and do whatever he feels like doing. Right. Because it's just who he is, mm-hmm. and he's great at he's it. He's probably one of the most animated actors we have. Like, he's just a cartoon the way he brought moves to life. Is, yeah, exactly. Uh, the mask was yeah. perfect for him. <laughs> I will always have a soft spot for him. Mm-hmm. He was like one of the first people as a kid I knew who he was and like really loved as an actor as like a child. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he did he did a great job as Robotnik. His back and forth with most of the characters worked. The only relationship actually that didn't really strike me as awesome was him and Sonic. You could actually like feel the hatred between him and the sheriff character. But him and Sonic just felt like a, like a contractual thing, if that makes sense. You know, the, the chemistry wasn't there. Yeah, like it was his job. 
They didn't have time to develop it either. Yeah, like mm-hmm. the movie had to go too fast. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> but also, it was a blessing because it was an hour forty. Yeah, I was not even. Say. So, um, one last thing before we move into our final thoughts here. Uh, did not expect the Olive Garden gag to come back at the end. Uh, kind of caught me off guard. I chuckled a little at the fact that the the government's big hush thing was a, like a fifty dollar gift card to Olive Garden. <sighs> Nothing. Oh, no, that annoyed me too because I didn't like the Olive Garden bit in the beginning. So that they came back with it, I was like, "Really?" See, I it came, we were done. It was like, so grown worthy that it almost came back to being funny again. You know, if that was the only instance of product placement, that would have been fun because that would have been uh, what's what's the term? Lighting the lantern, hanging the lantern, ha- hanging, hanging, on, yeah. On the th- yeah, hanging the lantern. Uh, like just drawing attention to it makes it funny. Um, and if that's the only time they did it with Olive Garden, I might have said something. But the fact that we had three other Olive Garden references in this movie, we didn't need that. Yeah. Or we should have only had the, the gag at the end and not the two in the middle of the movie. Right. Yeah. It, it, you know what it's comparable to? The hanging the lantern thing? In the first Iron Man where he's just like, I want Burger King. <laughs> and then they just go to Burger King. Like, oh, yeah, man. That okay. was good. I mean, right, yeah, that was he was good. hungry, sure. I, and we, it was a one-time thing, yeah. A little weird that he's a billionaire and he wants, like, a cheeseburger from Burger King. Yeah, but you know what? You've been in a cave, you want you want what you want. Yeah, I get whatever. that. But the fact that he was like, oh, the only other app on my phone is the Olive Garden app. When you're there, you're family. Oh, my God. <laughs> Vomit. Yeah. He was like Olive Garden. <laughs> All right, guys. Final thoughts on Sonic the Hedgehog here. Uh, Nate Lungarini, final thoughts. This movie lacked the soul it brought the character from the Sonic video games, but didn't bring much else from it. And on that front, I'm glad that they just stuck with Sonic. You maybe could have brought Tails along, and that's why we got the post-credit zinger of him. So they at least brought Sonic and Robotnik's relationship into the mix, but that was about it. You know, this wasn't a chase movie. This could have been like Mad Max, but in a child form, you know, where the whole thing is just a chase scene. And we didn't get that. We got samey CGI person in the uh, front seat of a car talking to a human actor, and that was the movie. And we've seen that a million times from a million other places and better than this. This was pretty run-of-the-mill and kind of disappointing for what potential this could have had for video game movies. You know what kind of stinks is that they tease what a Chase movie would have looked like when he's throwing the rings and going to different parts of of the world in that final action scene. Like, that could have been cool if they expanded on that more, but at the same time, right, he had to sit in a Toyota the whole movie, so whatever. <laughs> oh, more product placement. Ugh. Yeah. I actually, I agree. I liked him, like, running through the Great Wall and the pyramids. I'm like, that's actually really cool. But right, expand on that then. That's the cool stuff. So, yeah, uh, I guess if we're just gonna keep myself going. Final thoughts. I think the length is really important because it's under an hour 40 and I think I was entertained for as long as it was which is important um, despite the plot holes and you know not really great writing like Sonic and Jim Carrey and I thought James Marsden was fine and it was entertaining enough where I just thought it was a mildly fun time at the movies and then that's about it so there weren't any overly glaring stuff I know I was more negative in the discussion but generally I overall was fine and had a decently fun time so I guess that's where I stand on a low end wooden seat but yeah I think if like anything else had gone wrong with this movie I might have teetered elsewhere but overall I thought it was just fine it was decent I'm hoping the year gets better for movies yeah and given what's out right now it is one of the better options 
Oh, man. I've gone through. I've seen 23 movies so far this year, and about three or four of them would have probably made my bottom five last Ridiculous. year. That's how rough it's been out there. It's like a post-apocalyptic wasteland at the theater right now, and this <laughs> is like a this is a slight beam of hope, which is not saying a lot considering I gave that our second lowest rating. Um, it's It's – like I said, your kids are going to love it. I can see kids like 10, 15 years from now showing their kids being like, oh, my God, you got to watch this movie that I was obsessed with. When I was growing up, you know, like how we have this nostalgic feeling for movies that weren't great, like Good Burger or like Big yeah. Fat Liar. Like that's going to be what Good this Burger's is. Good Burger is a masterpiece. It, I don't know what it, you're talking it, about. Watch it again. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, the, the point is kids are going to have nostalgic feelings towards this movie specifically. And parents are going to be like, all right, well, it kept them quiet for 110 minutes or whatever. <laughs> 100, 100 minutes, actually. Jake's right. right. The length is very important. Uh, yeah. If this was any longer, we might have been a little harsher. I can't in good conscience recommend this movie, but it, if you put it on on HBO or something, it won't kill you, pretty much, is how I feel about it. <laughs> Detective Pikachu right now on HBO. True, yeah. And that's let's end it there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that kind of undid every good thing I tried to say. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Middle Seats Podcast. Before we go, Nate Longarini, where can they find us on the internet? Alrighty, here's how you can get in touch with us. Please like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. You can also listen to us on the go on all your podcast platforms, including SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. For questions, comments, and updates on the show, keep an eye on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at The Middle Seats. And if you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. Um, obviously, with the Oscars having been passed already, uh, we didn't really even talk about what we thought of the yeah we didn't get that chance but yay parasite we talk about parasite a lot on our favorite movies of 2019 if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to that we will have some more episodes coming soon that'll do it for us for nate lungarini and jake hensler i'm andrew j keep that seat warm everyone we'll be back soon